Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. world and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing with the Family Bible Revolution series, an end time message for his generational blessing. Yesterday we finished up reading Isaiah chapter 53 and discussing the gospel and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has believed or trusted in or relied upon and clung to this message? What is the message? It's the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Did he not do it? And should we not share it? It's the good news. And as we heard prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. He has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. He carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. The Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was submissive like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. He was cut off of the land of the living, stricken to his death for the transgression of my people. They assigned him a grave with the wicked. He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. It was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. He has risen from the dead. He shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He will justify many and make many righteous, upright and in right standing with God. He shall bear their iniquities and their guilt with the consequences. He shall divide the spoil with the mighty. He poured out his life unto death. He let himself be regarded as a criminal and be numbered with the transgressors. He bore and took away the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors, the rebellious. Aren't you glad Jesus is Lord? Well, I am. And continuing with our story on the burial of Christ, yes, Jesus paid the price. He took the punishment for us. I heard a story one time which explains it well. Think of it this way. You're stopped by the police for speeding in a small town. You were going so fast, the officer arrested you and took you immediately to jail. What the officer did not realize is that the judge was your father. This became big news in this small town, and everybody was wondering and waiting to see what would happen. The court day came, and everybody waited in anticipation, wondering if the judge, being your father would just let you off. But something happened. The judge, your father, said you were guilty, and although he would prefer to let you off because you're his son, as the judge for the town, he needed to enforce the law to its fullest extent. 
He stated it would be wrong for him to give any preference to you. Therefore, he sentenced you to the full penalty. The law said the full penalty was a $1,000 fine and must be paid immediately or you would have to go to jail for two weeks and still pay the fine. He pronounced you guilty and slammed the gavel on the desk. Wham! The audience was pleased your father did the right thing. However, he was not finished. He stood up and said the following. There is no law stating that my son is the one who has to pay the penalty. He then presented to the court a check for $1,000, came over to you, hugged you, and took you home. Maybe there were some who were not happy with the judge's decision. However, he followed the law completely. What do you think he may have said to his son? Could it be, you're forgiven? Go and sin no more? <laughs> wow. What about you? In reality, your situation is a bit different. It's worse than a speeding ticket. The law says due to your sin, your pride, selfishness, lying, adultery, fornication, covetousness, being greed, dishonoring your parents, murder through hatred, disobedience to God, inordinate affection, idolatry. The list may differ according to what applies to you. However, death is the penalty. Separation from God and eternal punishment is due. A righteous God must follow the law. He must be fair and just for everyone according to what is written in his job description and the law. But the judge is your father. You are his son. Will he just let you off? The penalty is not just death, but eternal punishment in hell. That's what the law says. So here's an amazing fact. God, the judge, sent his son, God in the flesh, Jesus, to take the punishment and to go to hell for you. How do we know? Psalm 16.10 in the Amplified Version says, For you will not abandon me to Sheol, the place of the dead, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You see, Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's called the divine exchange. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. In order to complete the work, Jesus also needed to go to hell, being Sheol. That's the Hebrew word for hell. He needed to go to hell for us to complete the work. But even though he became sin for us, he himself never sinned. He never told a lie, disobeyed God, dishonored his parents, lied, acted in pride, committed adultery, even in his mind, committed murder, even through hatred, was greedy or covetous, or had any inordinate and improper affection being idolatry. You see, the burial for him was hell, or Sheol. Jesus went to hell, but he could not be held there. Why? He never personally sinned. When Jesus entered Sheol, or hell, the payment and penalty was complete. Another way to put it, it was finished. Someone might argue, it's no fair. The guilty need to pay the penalty, not according to the law. But only one person could pay it. It had to be someone who was not guilty, someone who never sinned. Romans 5.8 in the Amplified Version says, But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. And John 3.16-17 in the Amplified Version, says it this way, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique Son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, 
clings to and relies on him shall not perish or come to destruction and be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He came to seek and to save that which he lost, which we read in Luke 19.10. Do we have any proof? Yes, we do. It's called the resurrection. Yeah, it's amazing when you think the resurrection took place in hell. Psalm 16.10 in the Amplified Version, For you will not abandon me to Sheol, the place of the dead, neither will you suffer your Holy One to seek corruption. The resurrection of Christ is the most powerful event that has ever taken place. Death could not hold Christ down. He paid the penalty for us, but he was totally innocent. Satan thought he could destroy the Son of God, but no. Jesus had no pride, no evil, no disobedience, no immorality, no perversion, no hatred, no dishonesty, and no ungodliness that eternal death could attach itself to. It was our sin he took upon himself. It was our punishment he hung on the cross for. It was our penalty he went to hell for. Openly is a very interesting word. Because just before God raised him from the dead, Jesus made a show openly in hell before Satan in a parade of victory. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 in the King James Version. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Here we go, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In hell, Jesus gave a show to the devil openly. It was a victory parade. Then from hell, God raised him from the dead openly. Acts 10.40 says, Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. There were over 500 witnesses on the earth. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8 says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. Jesus beat the power of sin, the power to condemn, the power of death, the power of hell, the power of the curse of the law, and the penalty and punishment that was due. He did it for us. It's the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. How does it work? By grace, through faith, that works by love. Most people understand that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we are forgiven and have inherited eternal life. But what we also need to understand is that the power of sin in our lives has been broken. What power is that? The power of temptation and bondage to its control and rulership. Yes, our sins have been paid for, and we have inherited the promise of heaven. But we are no longer under sin's bondage. It's more than just forgiveness. It's the power to live holy and godly. It's the power to walk in love. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 3 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Second Peter 3.11 says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? This is the walk of love that we could not perform before our salvation, but now we can. It could also be called the works of love, not for salvation, but because of salvation. Years ago, I remember hearing a preacher say, you don't have to sin anymore. I did not understand it at the time, but now I do. I do not have to lie anymore. I do not have to steal anymore. I do not have to be under any pull or bondage of sin or disobedience. Why? Because I've been freed, and now I have the power to say no and walk in the Spirit. I am free. Wow, time flies, doesn't it? Well, that's all the time we have today. So I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.